0: Off when I do it last night, too. I'm on. With, the um, with Ben.
1: Because I'm recording from bed.
0: All right. Oh, fuck, that's really loud. Why am I so loud? Random. Let's try that again. Why am I. So, am I really loud in your ears? Uh, no. I'm peeking out on my recording.
1: Jordan Scardetta.
0: Trevor Gerling with a banana stick.
1: Luke Worthington. I had this theory <laughs> that Trevor Gerling played with an illegal stick. This is the Fifth Liners podcast. I wonder if any of
0: you could get Trevor Gerling for a stick infraction, like Montreal did. <laughs> We're back. We're back. It's been like a month, I guess. I think. I think I looked into our SoundCloud today, Luke, and it was 29 days since you and I last uh, talked uh, talked to each other via Skype uh, yep. to to record the podcast. Um, my apologies for that. I had fully intended when I went away on holidays to um, to record the podcast while we were there, and then I get up there and my 4G reception has 0.3 megabytes per second. <laughs> download speed so it was uh literally impossible (laughs) to be able to do it
1: we just didn't have a need to for for a couple of weeks there and then uh all of a sudden a bunch of news kind of piled up at once and our simulation season ended and we pretty much have the most to talk about that we've had in um (laughs) like like all year for for episodes and and uh which is funny because really it's just like Six or seven topics, which is really just like mm. a normal episode in a in a normal season. Yeah. So, so we're probably going to have our most uh, normal episode of all time. Just yeah, news pretty and an interview. pretty close to it.
0: Yeah, it's a, yeah, news and interview. That's right. No segment today. So, spoiler alert for those who listen along for it. We've just got a fair bit to get through, and we've got a fairly decent <laughs> interview later on. Uh, we, we went we dug back into the wells that have served us so well. And that well being the Perth Thunder, um, and we've got a Perth Thunder guest on. So uh, there's your tease. Listen, listen for that one later on. You probably know already from the from the episode title. Yeah, um, yeah. Ben Bro will be joining us later in the show. Um, yeah, and he's got some some pretty cool stories to tell. Uh, yeah, just just diverting quickly. I, I went to I went to Exmouth on on my holiday. Um, that was where I went. Much warmer climate up there. A lot of people. At the moment, because you're only travel allowed to travel within Western Australia, and um, it was it was weird going there, learning about this this town that I've been to so many times, and I went to the actually went to the museum thing that they've built there. There's like an aquarium slash museum thing, learning all these facts about this town that I've been to so many times, and sort of how it was. Um, how it was built and how it became a town after it was basically just a settlement was pretty pretty crazy and and the link that it has to like the U.S. Navy and stuff was pretty was pretty cool. I urge anyone. I won't go into too much detail because we've got too much to get to, but I urge anyone to look it up. It's really interesting stories. Sick. Um, about how Exmouth became a town and yeah the huge Navy base that was there and the you know the um, the military communications that go in and out of there and, and all that sort of thing. So. Definitely worth a look up. Cool. Um, aside from being a really nice town to holiday in as well, um, that was that was fun. That was where my uh, ten days of the holidays were spent before school came back. Um, yeah. So the season. Uh, so we heard we're recording this randomly. I know on a Wednesday night, which is sort of out of out of character for us. We're typically Sunday night people. <laughs> um, yep, But uh, but we knew this was coming tonight the the off ice together we were thinking that it was going to be potentially a cancellation of the season but they're insisting the AHL that they're still working on a season which would be a playoff format playoff a strictly playoff format involving all eight teams and multiple games in the semi-final and final rounds so i'm guessing three game series maybe um in those rounds Um, however they might devise that that strategy but that's what the return to play committee is working on but there are so many parameters placed on that and pretty unrealistic ones so it's contingent on the opening of borders to um, western australia particularly south australia as well um covid 19 testing at the Dart, I'm pretty sure they said at the before we begin and during play as well I don't know that it would be every day necessarily but um but yeah covid-19 testing of players and officials I'm guessing um yeah and obviously the situation improving in Victoria which is on you know stage stage 4 lockdown or whatever they're on at the moment um or whether it's still stage 3 I'm not 100% sure but um you know compulsory face masks and businesses are shutting down and and those kind of things over there and you know nearly 500 new cases today um, were announced so um I'll, i would suggest that is way too many qualifiers for this to be realistic right yep. i don't know why there hasn't been a pin put in it already it seems like selling false hope
1: yeah i completely agree i think they just need to just stop it here um and the, the way that this has all happened... Before Off Ice Together... There was a post from the Mustangs... That just... They they just decided... As a team to just go ahead and... And uh, post a, a short... Announcement... That said it's with much sadness that today we announced the cancellation of the 2020 season... We are... We were holding on to... The slim chance that we might get to see a modified competition... But the current situation in Victoria makes this all but impossible... Uh... And then it just thanks the supporters and gives membership refund information. So the Mustangs just out of the blue post a statement <laughs> saying uh, that the season is cancelled. Now I'm thinking when I saw that that there's a there's an onslaught coming of teams posting mm-hmm. um, that that the season's cancelled and you know give them an email if you paid for a membership or whatever. But um and then I and then I and then, and I, and then I you message
0: and sorry to jump yep. in on you before before I'll I'll let you get to the second bit in a second. But you messaged me about this. Um, This is while I was on holidays that this happened, and I did tell you that as a team at Thunder, we've heard nothing. Okay, like we have heard absolutely nothing at this point. Right, there's been nothing said to us, and I contacted um, everyone in management at the Thunder, and no one had heard anything at this point. So So,
1: continue. So before before that happened, I mean, I I genuinely assumed that there'd been a meeting, and that um that that this had been discussed with people from the Australian Ice Hockey League. And the, the Mustangs went and their, their media people just jumped the gun. And there was mm-hmm. probably an agreement that, oh, you know, the legal post this first and then you can share our post or write your own post or something like that. So I went onto the Australian Ice Hockey League page looking for an announcement. And I was like, oh, they, they might have jumped them by 20 minutes. Then I check, an hour goes by, no, there's nothing. And then later that night, or even maybe the next morning. It was
0: the following morning. Yeah, yeah, the the
1: the Australian Ice Hockey League post a statement saying, if you saw last night's post by the Melbourne Mustangs advising that they won't be playing in the 2020 season due to the recent outbreak in Victoria, you may be wondering, what about the rest of the league? We've got an active return to play committee which continues to closely follow COVID-19 updates. While the current outbreak and border closures are making it increasingly unlikely, the return to play committee remains hopeful of having a substantially condensed 2020 schedule when the situation improves in Melbourne. And then they said they would discuss this on off ice together, which was originally meant to be on Saturday. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. When I saw that <laughs> announcement, I was absolutely shocked that a team had. T- <laughs> that um, sorry. Cough me to You're myself, right. yeah. um, that a team had like taken it upon themselves to just go ahead and post that. Um, and and look, look, usually I would say that it's it's a crazy move for a team to do that, but really, like, the Mustangs post seems like the sensible one in the current situation. There's not going to be a 2020 Australian Ice Hockey League season. The two teams from Victoria are not going to be able to play. Um, mm mm-hmm. Western Australia, I don't think is going to be open for months, and that's just 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 a guy's opinion from reading the news. I don't think that Western Australia is going to be open for months. Um, and and look, like it's not a it's an amateur sporting league. This is mm-hmm. this this league is uh, other than the fact that the players travel is is below is so low down the the chain, like. Like the only similarity between this league, the AFL and the NRL, is that the players travel interstate to play their games. Like, like it's mm-hmm. below the pecking order of like Shoot Shield, the Waffle, all all those mm-hmm. other things. And oh like, yeah, and like they're not. If they needed to travel, I'd say there is no chance that they would be able, but that they would be given an mm-hmm. exemption. Or, or some kind of thing like that. So to think that the Australian ice hockey league is going to be able to operate like a league like that within the next 2 months is like just insane and and this this constant pushing back from the from the league saying holding on to this false hope that there's going to be some kind of season is just like it's just wearing thin for me and I and I think that a lot of people would uh, would truly just respect it if they would if they were to say, Alright, we're gonna call it this season like like maybe a couple of teams play a game or two like if if, you know, if, you know, um, um a a couple of Sydney teams or sorry, a couple of New South Wales teams want to play a game, which we'll talk about later, but like mm-hmm. if if that happens, then you know, they can go ahead, but there's not going to be an Australian Ice hockey league. I just wish that we could stop holding on to this false false hope and then on off ice together, um, you know, it's a it's a good program and I enjoy it and I think that me and you and everybody that watches mm-hmm. it really respects that the league commissioner wants to to jump on and 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 answer questions like these. But I I just wish that at this point that that he could that, that David could um David Turek could just say could just say no. Uh, there was there was even that one instance mm. that that you that we talked about together where he got asked if the teams would play in a hub and and he didn't mm-hmm. even explicitly say no to that so so yeah. and and like and that kind of goes back to what i'm saying before like it's not the afl it's it's mm-hmm. it's lower status than like you know local rugby rugby league in new south wales kind of thing so like i just i just think that we need to we need to say no at some point
0: yeah there's a there's there's a lot to unpack in in everything you just said, and, and really you've given it a pretty good summation. Um, the the talking about COVID nineteen testing of players, um, like it's no big deal, is is kind of, uh, I guess, misleading, um, because firstly players would need to agree to that, and there's no players union, um, so. There's So, there's that. Um, so, you'd have to try and find a way to get the players to unilaterally agree to do that because, or, you know, have an opt out um, of that. And even then, that's a massive expense. Like, COVID 19 testing for players and officials is an enormous expense. The tests are about 100 It's between, even somewhere a, between $100 and $150 each. It's even a it's, big expense for the NHL. Mm hmm. And mm-hmm. the NBA, AFL, NHL, the AFL. all the team, all these leagues that are doing this—it's a huge um, expense. It's, it's massive something expense
1: that they talk mm-hmm. about. Albeit mm-hmm. there's more yeah. players, and they have to do it every day. Yeah. But there's but it's something that they genuinely are like, this is this yeah. is a thing. This, this is like, a crazy
0: expensive for. thing. Yeah, this is costing us you know tens of thousands of dollars a week. Um, yeah, and that, so that's just that's unrealistic. You can see we can we can all see what's happening with Victoria's situation. Even with the lockdown, the numbers are still going crazy over there and it's like nothing we've seen in australia yet you know um so that's forever changing so from a season standpoint those two things firstly are very unrealistic and you you said um about the borders how it's just the opinion of a guy who reads the news i mean really it's an opinion based on exposed evidence that the premier of western australia is very much hardline against opening the borders and to the point where it's been tightened even further Um, right now so anyone who's quarantining uh, does so at their own expense like it's it's not a state funded thing anymore that you can return to Western Australia and you get your quarantine funded no you have to pay for your quarantine time um, which is under you know police guard Um, so yeah it's yeah it's just entirely unrealistic and I said to you maybe it's a little bit Extreme of a way to put it, but I feel like it's insulting our intelligence right now to suggest to give any suggestion that there's a possibility that this season can be played. Yeah, like it's it really is. Um, I think most of the most people who are who follow the league, and particularly, I think people who listen to this show, are very aware of how the league operates. Um, as far as the, you know, amateur slash semi-professional status that the league operates under and the tight budgets and, and those sort of things, and it's all gate-driven. And, and we don't have to g- tread over that ground again because we've done it over and over again on episodes this year. But it's really, it's a bit disingenuous now to pretend that something's going to happen this year of any substance. Um, you know, I, don't, I the, the ambition is admirable, I guess, but... At some point, you're right. There's more respect in just saying, no, we can't do this. And David Chirik, I've liked what he's done, and we can talk a bit more about him because I like that when we hear him speak, he speaks in specific things that are going to happen. He's not, um, I've referred to previous commissioners as, as like a dreamer. and and speak in um, big themes rather than drilling down on specifics. Whereas David Churik has been on on occasions really specific about strategies that he's going to undertake to help grow the league. He, as part of the commission, is going to undertake to help grow the league. And that's really good. He's been really good at that, but he hasn't. It just I don't know whether this is just something in his nature or whether it's something that he's being directed to do or something he's taken upon himself to do. But he, he just doesn't say no to any question. And I think that was that was so evident in the—in what you touched on with the hubs where um, there was a question about will players play in like a bubble like yes. the NHL and be hubbed in two cities. The and, answer to that and was all just that sort no. Of the answer to that straight up should have been no. Like, just straight up, no, that is just not feasible in our league. Maybe, you know, less blunt, but there should have been the word no in there somewhere, that 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 is just not something feasible. And whether maybe he misheard the question, I don't really know. But... um yeah, this inability to just just bluntly say he seems like a very positive person and all that sort of thing, but maybe at this point it's to his detriment because there's got to be a point where you can you make the hard decision. You go, you know what? No, this isn't going to work. And and I can't see a scenario. I still, we started recording the show, what, back in March? Um, I still can't see a scenario where this works. No, you know, me, too, where, me too. Where this yeah. is a thing we can do. So it's really unfortunate, but um, yeah, I think that's where we're at. And the second part of that that I wanted to unpack was the the league's response to the Mustangs I'd be really disappointed if I was maybe firstly as a league you'd be disappointed that the Mustangs have jumped the gun I yeah. don't know what's happened behind the scenes there um, I feel so, like something
1: happened and there was a discussion and, and the Mustangs yeah. got mad at something that's M- just me yes yeah. so
0: they've jumped the gun and made um made an announcement maybe it was you know maybe the discussion potentially this is all speculation um, centered around the season continuing without the Melbourne teams, but like maybe that's something that was brought up potentially, not even as a feasible suggestion, but hey, maybe can we do this? And you know, the Mustangs have gone ahead, obviously, and, and said what they've said. Um, so I'd be disappointed from the league's point of view that the Mustangs have gone ahead and jumped that. But then I'd be disappointed from the Mustangs' point of view that the league has come out and just buried them in yeah. the yeah. in the in the response. You yeah. you, you didn't really. That first paragraph, first sentence, first mention, line, the first sentence.
1: You may just have seen. not need to be there. No, if you, you, may you have saw, seen, if you saw last night's poster in the Melbourne Mustangs,
0: like, like just just delete the part about the Melbourne Mustangs. You may have heard. You may have read. I don't know that just the whole that, that the twenty twenty season has been cancelled. We're here to clarify. You don't need to bury the Mustangs the and go. What about Mustang. everyone else? It was just a bit of a weird way to put it and it would have kind of felt from a Mustang's point of view like you're yeah. being disrespected. and yeah. yeah, not ideal. But, all right, you know. Um, so... Yeah, I think my... Yeah, so the crux of that is my opinion on the season going hasn't changed since March. So... Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's got any reason to. So... so you know,
1: sorry? Now we have a couple of like okay or good uh, off-ice mm-hmm. together things which is a couple of social initiatives that... David Cheric mm-hmm. announced, uh, including a partnership with We Got You and the desire for a Pride Round. I mean, we t- we talk about um, not saying the word no explicitly. One thing he did say explicitly is we want to have uh, an all-team Pride Round, mm-hmm. like straight mm-hmm. up, just set a it. nationwide. Yep. yep, yep. So, and he, and he mm-hmm. said that um, uh, that's awesome. Um, we've pride the pride rounds kind of been a bit of a disaster sometimes. the 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 Mustangs have done it virtually perfectly in uh, mm-hmm. in the um, in previous years. Uh, there was the time where the Adelaide Adrenaline were um, the being hosted by the Mustangs during the pride round, and they kind of just like slotted in there perfectly. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and became part of the Mustang's pride game really well without kind of trying to be like, oh no, like where the, it was our pride round and stuff like that. They kind of just slotted in there, did their thing and, and, um let it happen which was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. then but then there's kind of been the couple of times where it's felt a bit disingenuous from from um, some other parties. It's felt
0: token I guess is probably yeah. probably the from, best way to put it. Yeah. Like slapped
1: together, no effort. Yeah. Yeah. There's been there's been the odd occasion and you know we won't name any names but no, no. where that's where that's happened and I think if you're aware of it you're you're aware of it. Uh, so ha- having him say that is really awesome. Um mm-hmm. I think that uh all these words on inclusivity are are literally meaningless um, until something happens. Basically, um, because because it happens every single year that that there's some kind of homophobic slur on the ice, and and until something happens, um, and you know, it, sadly, it's almost definitely going to happen again. Um, so the real it'll it'll really be it'll really come through when something happens, um, and um, and they take serious action against it. I think that's yeah, so, I think
0: that's when this matters. Mm, so I, I guess you're being okay. There was a, there was an alleged incident last year involving a high-ranking member of a club, um, which was overheard by a lot of people um, involving a homophobic slur, uh, which hasn't from what we can tell being actioned upon at all. And so you're right. I, I like that they want to do it. I think it's great. Um, and I'd honest, like I honestly, th- like I said to you, I honestly think there's a chance that um, David Trick doesn't even know of these allegations. Um, uh, there's, there's, a world, there's, there's a possibility that that's the case. Um, so, you know, you're willing to, I'm willing to cut him a little bit of slack on that. But if you're going to, you know, push forward with these initiatives and they're great initiatives. They really are. You really need to make sure that your house is completely clean at that point. And so you cannot have these kind of issues hanging over your head. It needs to be investigated. And even if the public outcome is nothing to see here, folks, we investigated it and there was nothing there, you know, um, at least there's an acknowledgement that there was an investigation and that, you know, it can't sort of be just swept under the rug. Oh no, everything that's happened in the past is nothing and we're just moving forward, forward, forward. That's it. You know there has to be the acknowledgement that oh yeah we've stepped wrong in the past and we had the the Kevin Veu suspension last year as well he he had a four game suspension um, for it so I mean that one you couldn't escape it was on video um, yeah. like that was a that was an inescapable one but um, but yeah so that was. That was something that did happen, which is a step in a positive direction. But you need to make sure that there's no skeletons in your closet if you're going to do this, because otherwise, you're right, those words mean absolutely nothing. Um, as far as the We Got You partnership, I was just, um, just did a quick cursory Google and, and looked that up. So um, that is spearheaded by um, Patty Mills. Um, he's he's the one who's uh, spearheaded it. It's an athlete-led campaign dedicated to shining a spotlight on the issues athletes across all sports face aiming to eradicate racism, exclusion, and discrimination in Australian sport. Yep. So it's specifically an Australian thing. Um, uh, if you saw the office Together, you probably heard all the names uh, that were rattled off um, of high-profile Australian athletes who have become a part of it I'm guessing the partnership thing they're saying there is they want maybe a representative in the Australian Ice Hockey League as a player to, to become a part of that movement which is very much admirable and very much a thing that should be done yeah. um, So I and I really really hope that happens so that's um, that's a terrific initiative. Um, one thing before we move on to the next part that came out of... Because uh, we're going to divert away from what happened in Off Ice Together. Just a very quick one. He mentioned towards the end... And I know this isn't in, your run, in our rundown, Luke, so I'm going to catch you off guard here. Yeah. Um, he did mention towards the end um, the desire, and I think this is pretty huge, of the league to have player representation on the commission. Um, yeah. So that... That's they've op- they've openly expressed a desire to have player representation on the commission, which is um, really if that if that is a genuine desire, that's a massive step, because when when we've heard players' Union spoke about in the past, and you've interviewed guys on the show, Luke, who've um, who've been advocates for um, for a players' association of some description, and and we've talked about it a fair bit, and how um, important it would be for the you know for the desire of the league to be professional you need the um play I'd uh, need a players association to become a thing um but in the past from commissions it's basically just been met with a brick wall like there's no yeah. way there is no yeah. way you're going to but the the commissioner now has publicly expressed a desire to have player representation on the commission which is outstanding news for the players yep surely yep i think so too i, th- I think that uh that there would You'd be
1: hard pressed to find a player in the league that wouldn't think uh, this is one of the most important issues that they face as players. So I think that uh, it's a huge step, and for a commissioner to actually say that uh, is mm. is massive. I mean, there we've we've talked about this on the podcast. There was an interview that I did years ago uh, where I asked the question um, to an old commissioner, and basically like. It was just like... Oh, that
0: would have been on radio. Probably. It was on, was it was on Thunder Radio in, uh, mm-hmm. in
1: 2016. Uh, it was mm-hmm. like... It was like... I don't even know how to put it into words, the the, the stare that I got after asking that question. So, to hear an, a commissioner actually say it is uh, awesome. I think David Turek is doing a good job.
0: Yeah. 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 Aside from the, <laughs> the lack of being able to say no sometimes <laughs> yeah. thing... I think I think he's doing he's doing a really good job. Uh, yeah, I've liked everything he said, and I think as I said, he's he speaks in specifics. He doesn't speak in big dreaming yes. sort of terms, which yeah. I really like. Um, next topic to cover is a awkward one. Um, on the back of speaking about the wanting to involve the league in the we got you movement, ice hockey Victoria put out a video on their YouTube page. Um, would have been the last couple of days um, that that went out. All really good intentions um, about inclusivity and, um, you know, wanting to show some unity um, to to people who feel discriminated against about the league. But um, they included very unfortunate and very, and ha- they have apologized and retracted it since, uh, but very unfortunately included the All Lives Matter hashtag and then capitalized in the caption or in a comment was all lives matter as well um we all know the intent behind some people saying that um, but you have to know by now that that has been mobilized as a um as a uh as an anti-anti-racist slur i guess is probably the way to to, way to to put it is like the anti-anti-racist movement um yeah that it's just you got to be more aware. It's really, I was, I was, a bit stunned by it because we haven't seen one for a while. I know that, that when it first happened, um, when the when Black Lives Matter first um, really kicked off in earnest, what about six, eight weeks ago, um, that that we saw a few slip ups from people with the All Lives Matter hashtag, but by now it's it's very well entrenched that that is not something you want to be promoting. No. Um, that that yeah, and it's really unfortunate that this happened. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I looked on um, that YouTube video today, late late today, and that there's an apology attached to it. Uh, I'm I'm very glad that that's the case. My my heart would have sunk if I had have gone on there and it was still there.
1: Yeah, I guess like they've been posting a couple of videos, like videos saying it's not okay and stuff like that, to to mm-hmm. tackle. Discrimination and things like that in, in hockey in Victoria,
0: which, which sorry to cut you off was the um, that was the hashtag um, of well sorry the the um, the tagline of the anti racism movement probably about seven or eight years ago I think um, it was oh. racism it's not okay and then it became racism it stops with me oh. um, for a little bit that was sort of the the general overall but that was a long time ago it's been it's been a long time since that it's become obviously Black Lives Matter everywhere this year um so yeah so that was that's probably where that came from i guess okay sure
1: so so yeah right well they've been posting things like that so they're clearly some somehow um invested in 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 doing this um it's just it's just like that video today was just tough to tough to mm. see like i guess the the saddest the most frustrating thing is how uh, how good they're initial intentions were, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was meant to be a show of unity from them to the, to the people that All Lives Matter is actually incredibly problematic for, uh, it, it's, um, it's just sad, they, are uh, yeah, like you said, I don't know how at this point in, uh, in the last two months especially, you can look at something like that and think that it's okay, um, but yeah, it, I, I, I think um i'd like to put it down to to being just an honest mistake um mm-hmm. I, I i just want to think that um it's it's just something that that uh, me and you will will never know um the, the the true extent of um so i just implore uh everybody to just um just uh, go and go and educate yourself on black lives matter by and i know that's such a cliche saying go and educate yourself but just mm-hmm. just go try learn um go go watch a documentary or or uh listen to a podcast or or read a book or something like that and just and just understand um uh what uh the kind of the kind of implications
0: that uh something like that has mm-hmm for well, sure and and you say it's cliche but it's but it's cliche because it's true in this case it's yeah it's one of those things that yeah it is all about education that's what that's the phase we're in right now um you know as much as we can try to educate people try not to clash too much you know as much as you can try to use everything as, as a teaching moment and a learning moment i just
1: so. yeah just read a book like mm-hmm. go yep. go find the new jim crow and go and watch uh, 13th on netflix just as a start and then you, mm-hmm. and then you'll understand um, thirty times more if you if you didn't initially why uh, why stuff like this happens. And I mean, you can be someone who before uh, doing those two things as a starter, you, you know, you might think that you understand it and you you have really good intentions and you understand Black Lives Matter. But just just go watch them and and you kind of just get like way more of a scope. Yeah, it's for sure. It's, yeah, I I
0: think people should uh put, should do that. Yeah, hundred percent on board on board with uh, with that for sure. Um, getting I guess away from the heavier subject. This is why it's important, like to do a podcast every two weeks. I think, in this climate, because we had this talking point down for the podcast when we were going to record a couple of weeks ago, and uh now it's it's kind of. Maybe irrelevant. Uh, Ice Dogs versus Newcastle is a thing that is happening. I think our talking was point back excited... then was a was a Wilson Cup. Yeah, it was the that was the exciting headline that we yeah. were going to go with, and now we've had to add the the Adena maybe um, yeah. <laughs> because obviously we all know the um, the situation. For anyone who missed it, um, it was a article in the Newcastle Herald um, that was uh, basically that the Newcastle North Stars and the Sydney Ice Dogs were going to play uh, a um, a series against each other. The Sydney Bears were originally part of planning, uh, but they had some uh, issues with player availability and those kind of things, and they weren't going to be able to feasibly ice a team. I think there was some expense issues there involved with um, with using Macquarie as well, finding ice time for these extra games, those kind of things. So there was going to be a two-team series, Sydney Ice Dogs versus Newcastle North Stars uh, between... Um, you know uh, the Hunter Valley and and Macquarie Ice Rink, but uh, since then, obviously, with uh, with the COVID nineteen situation uh, deteriorating somewhat in New South Wales, that's becoming less and less likely. Luke. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that um, from
1: what I read in the news, they're going to be asking people not to uh, like travel from the Hunter to Sydney, or at least recommending it like they used to. Um, at the start of the restrictions. So, yeah, I, I don't know how likely it is it'll happen. I really hope it does. Uh, it'd probably be better if it happened in Newcastle uh, mm-hmm. because they have broadcast capabilities. Uh, there's, there's you know, way more Newcastle fans that'll be available to go to the game. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the ice time will be, um, you know, cheaper rather than playing it at Macquarie. So... Um, so yeah hopefully hopefully they can do it and uh, i think the biggest thing is for it to be live streamed because i think that uh, so many people will watch that if there's a game of australian ice hockey
0: yeah man and i think we've seen that even on the games that you're commentating at the moment Luke, the ih ihwa games that uh, people have a thirst uh, yeah for for hockey That's yes awesome. so yeah yeah which is which is pretty cool so you've you've seen a few you've seen a few good games there so you know imagine if it is you know teams with the uh, put it in inverted commas brand power of newcastle north stars versus sydney ice dogs instead of Flies blue versus flyers orange um flyers you know, blue what could be
1: flyers orange I'd, I'd almost rather watch
0: sometimes that's a, that's like <laughs> it's a pre- 15 per thunder players in the one game <laughs> huh? i talked to ben bro about that in the interview actually just just teasing a little bit more talk about the Flies blue and um their uh their training regime which is uh, which is worth a listen if you if you uh, really do, right the do they of the agency, train? So you don't even have to uh just just have a listen. All right? okay. Just just have a listen. I got to wait. Just leave that in there. Yeah. yeah, you have to wait until after we finish recording to, I basically, to listen. Well, to yeah,
1: it. I have to wait until everybody else listens to it. I yeah. don't get an advanced screening.
0: No, well, usually you do. Usually you're the one conducting the interviews, and now out of the yeah, blue, all of a sudden, I get second-by-second second updates when I'm doing yeah. the interviews. Yeah, I'm going to have two interviews in a row. All of a sudden, okay. uh, draw draw back the curtain. I've got this this week's one and probably next week's one as well. Which is, I'll get onto that in a minute. Um, yeah. So yes, um, good to see. Hopefully, we see some some more live hockey. That'd be that'd be fun. Um, finish the news part on some really awful, awful, incredibly sad news. Kyle Clark, um, captain uh, of the Adelaide Generals. Um, passed away during the week 21 years old um, every everyone I feel like everyone who um, is hurting for for Kyle's family and for the Adelaide hockey community right now um, really there's not really a lot more we can say on it um, except condolences to everyone who knows Kyle and to his family and to everyone in Adelaide I know we have a lot of listeners in Adelaide I'm sure you are hurting and and we are hurting for you and and the entire community is is absolutely bleeding right now for for adelaide and and for for the adrenaline for the generals for everyone involved in adelaide hockey It's it's awful awful news All right, so that's the that's the news component of it. We'll try and pick ourselves back up back up from that one Um, AHL 20 This is the final update we get to give on the AHL 20 simulation because We have a champion, the Capital City Brave, CBR Brave, are the champions this year. Overtime win over the Perth Thunder, 4-3, after the Thunder went ahead late in the last 90 seconds. They took the lead, 3-2, on an Andrew Cox goal that was reviewed for a kicking motion. (laughs) Um, And then uh, they leveled it up with 24 seconds to go. Jesse Gabriel, because who else? Who else? Yeah. Aside from simulated Jesse Gabriel, levels it up, and then Connor Riley wins it in overtime. You and I commentated those three games of the finals. Of course, the Melbourne Ice forced the Thunder into the longest game of the year. <laughs> um, in the in the first semi, uh, the first overtime was only a minute away from finishing when when Luke Marcotte simulated Luke Marcotte scored the goal uh, to win the game. Um, yes, yeah, so it was it was fun. You you sat at you sat at my place um, at a safe social distance for uh, <laughs> for um, what three hours? Yeah, or so three and a half hours we it took us to do this one. Um, firstly, your thoughts on commentating a fake game? How did how did it feel? Because I've got my thoughts on it.
1: Uh, it was it was weird, but it was actually really easy because the lines just come up on the screen, and so does the player's <laughs> name that touches the <laughs> puck. So there's no there's no having to like. Look at a player's skating movement and try and guess who it is, or something like that, because they all skate the same. Firstly, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and second, or like like looking at a helmet with like a gap on it, or something like that, and trying to know who it is. It's just it's just <laughs> here is Andrew Cox, here is A Cox um, coming coming down the wing, or something like that. And, uh, and I guess the other thing that um that happens is that a lot of the players are quite similar so that bit gets hard (laughs) um one thing that uh doesn't happen that happens in aihl games and also in these friday night west australian premier league games is that there's no uh section of a simulated game where the puck's just pinballing around the neutral zone and um and mm-hmm. no one's touching it and you know there's there's times like that in a real game where it's not even worth saying a player's name or really even talking about what's happening because because no one has control of the puck no one's really holding mm-hmm. on to the puck so so there's no uh kind of awkward moments like that where you need to fill time so i thought it was i thought it was pretty fun it was it was easy i thought
0: i thought it was easy yeah it was easy, but it was very weird. You've yeah. <laughs> got to admit, trying to get fired up about a about a fake game. I'm also um, not an on
1: screen commentator. I I, uh, <laughs> I denied the, the working from home opportunity for these Friday night <laughs> um for these Friday night games. I'd I'd rather stand and freeze my nuts off yeah. in minus oh, three degrees than, than record than look at the game on my computer screen. And, yeah. uh, and and oh. talking to this microphone here in in my room, so mm-hmm. um, so so yeah, I'm not a, I'm not I'm not a sc- not a screen commentator.
0: Yeah, I, I had to for the for the ones that I did um, because of Coburn's capacity rules for IHWA. Wow. I had to commentate them from home. Um, yeah, it was it was a bit it was it worked fine, but definitely much rather be there um, for sure. And I'm I'm actually a bit worried and concerned about this trend in professional sport um, in Australia that seems to be happening. I know the NBL did it this year um, for the whole season. Um, And, yeah, and obviously I'm worried that because commentators now on uh, on the AFL are calling from home or calling from other studios, um, you know, via a screen, that this will become a, oh, look at how much money we saved sort of measure. And then you kind of lose the, you know, you are at the game. You feel the excitement of everything picking up. It I mean, becomes yeah, a bit that, fake sh- and that just sucks. So yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, I think the NBL commentary sucked this year. But oh, really? Uh, I didn't really watch too many. Games. Yeah, it wasn't 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 good um, because there was no atmosphere there. And like you know, this is me going off on another tangent. But if you want to save money on flying your commentators across the country, how about you employ some local commentators as freelancers? Maybe that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, there's plenty of talented guys who are you know scrapping away on community radio stations. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so that was, it was a bit weird commentating the fake game. Um, but you know, fun, you and I, you and I had some fun with it and we made up shit on the spot. It was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> you definitely led that. I thought the first game felt a little bit, lacked a little bit. And then when you started making up, uh, the, the tweets and Facebook messages. What do you mean making up? Game, that was fun. That <laughs> oh, was fun. For anyone who missed it, go back and watch it. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah if you if you get a spare like forty minutes, just you know, fast forward through and listen to us. Absolutely, just pile on um, the the fake referees. <laughs> it was yeah. good. Um, so now that the end of the season's come, uh, leading scorers and award winners. So all right, the top. I'll just go to the top. Let's say in the leading scorers because that that rounds out a nice number. Luke Marcotte won the scoring title, 22 goals, 20 assists, 42 points. Jesse Gabriel, uh, 20 goals, 16 assists for 36 points. Jake Riley, 20 goals, 16 assists for 36 points. Andy Kamenzyne, 18 goals, 17 assists for 35 points. And Kieran Webster, 17 goals, 18 assists for 35 points were the top five yep. in the league. Um, so I've gone some novelty oh and goalie stats um apologies to anyone who followed the goalie stats when i was posting the the um the lists at the end of each week um it wouldn't let me order them by save percentage it was really weird Weird. um i wanted to always because that's i think that's a more useful stat than goals against but when you go to that screen where i can see every goalie and all the stats it defaults to sorting it by goals against average and i couldn't change it so you you would have seen that like you know um, the best goaltenders in the league with a 900 safe percentage were all like, you know, f- fifth and third and whatever down the list. And, you know, like Nico Vixen was right at the top of the list, but his safe percentage was sub 900 all year. So, um, <laughs> Matt Climey with a 922, uh, 361 goals against average played the most minutes out of everyone just he played 1647 minutes compared to Anthony Kimmler's 1646. Huh. Um, yeah, so Jesse Gordachuk with a 9.15, Anthony Kimlin with a 9.12, Garrett Bartis a 9.04, Sebastian Anderson a 9.03, Nico Vixen and, and Tom Munro an 8.99, Jaden Pine Murphy an 8.98. Um, they were your... Uh, and Dane Davis an 8.96 was were your um, regular goaltenders. Uh, Matt Klimy and Sebastian Anderson were the assist kings of the goaltenders, six apiece. Nico Vixton five assists, Garrett Bartis four and uh yeah twos and ones for the rest um there were three shutouts on the year um one to each of sebastian anderson jaden pine murphy and garrett bartis garrett bartis's one was a 52 save effort if you don't mind wow which i had fun cutting that highlight pack together that was (laughs) that was pretty hilarious to the marching music that was cool um (laughs) so anyway i've gone with some novelty awards to start with for the season uh knuckle chucker of the year was burt malloy um for two reasons: one, he was the only guy who got into more than one fight Ooh. on the year. Um, he had two on the season. Um, so, and the second reason was that in his second fight, which was against simulated Liam Jeffries, he actually landed. You know, the simulated player lands a punch on the face that actually, even though it was a simulation, kind of made me cringe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because of the because of the you know the the engine that the, the physics engine they use for players like the ragdoll engine. Um, You just kind of you know watch this simulated fist hit this simulated place and a lifeless body draped to the ground. And then when you're listening to the commentary, oh, he's out for the rest of the game. It wasn't great. So, yeah, that's the knuckle chucker, Bert Malloy. Uh, The Naughty Corner goes to Jamie Burke. Uh, That's because he led the league in penalty minutes on the year. Uh, I'm just getting up now how many he had because I got that away. 31 penalty minutes on the year in 28 games uh, for him. So he's the Naughty Corner Award. The Apple Man, Vadim Vyasov. 26 assists, so he gets the Apple Man. He was the most assists on the year. Got more assists than uh, I think uh, three quarters of the league of the league got points. So he was he had a big year. Um, and the What About Me award, uh, really unfortunate one. This one, the only player simulated who did not score a goal oh. in the season, and that was Matt Watini of the Newcastle North Stars. Really unfortunate for uh, the veteran defenseman um yeah that's that's really unfortunate the only player in the whole league to not score a goal got three assists on the year but did not score a goal so that's really unfortunate and that was um we'll get to the likes and dislikes shortly um the real awards goaltender of the year matt climb we already touched on him a 922 save percentage uh defenseman of the year rob Hazelhurst. six goals 23 assists 29 points um i think was his stat line i'll just get that up for sure Um, to make sure I get that right. Rob Hazelhurst. yeah, six goals, 23 assists for 29 points on the year. Uh, Big year from him in a team that uh, were barnstorming in the league. Rookie of the Year, James Irwis of the uh, Sydney Bears, 18-year-old, had 12 points on the year, one goal and 11 assists as a third-pair defenseman. For the Sydney Bears, even though I think he plays forward in real life, I had to fill out the roster somehow. So he gets Rookie of the Year. Local of the Year, Jake Riley uh, for the Adelaide Adrenaline. 36 points on the year, 20 goals, 16 assists. uh, Already touched on him. Good good performance from him, the leading local scorer. Um, And he and this guy, who I named the MVP, were the sole reason that the Adrenaline, who were rated a full 28 points lower than the CBR Brave, the best team in the league, um, and their overall team rating, the Adelaide Adrenaline, by the way, was 20, 21 points. I think the overall team rating, Jesse Gordachuk was my MVP on the year. Post a 915 safe percentage, faces something like 300 more shots than any other goalie in the league. And, you know, almost backstops his team to a, to a finals place. So they were booted out on the final day, um, of finals contention. So uh yeah, he was my MVP on the year. Um yeah, so to uh just pull back the curtain slightly on that. Yeah, the Adelaide Adrenaline's overall team rating was 21. Wow. For those who were yeah, who were wow. wondering, it was it was incredibly low. the next lowest was the Melbourne Ice, it was 34. <laughs> and they and they made it. So the the highest rated was the CBR Brave who were 49. That was the highest rated. So, yeah, (laughs) they were literally rated. I I thought that was fair, having a 21 rating for the Adelaide Adrenaline. And they still nearly somehow made finals because those simulations were hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, that was fun. Um, Things you liked or didn't like, Luke, was there anything in particular you can think of off the top of your head before we put a bow around it?
1: Uh, I just... Liked it, especially at the start. It was just like pretty cool to see. I, th- I just thought you did a good job with the uniforms and the players. I think it was just <laughs> like a cool thing uh, overall. I just, I just liked it in general.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I like the the um, uniforms that I've injected across the year, like the Adrenaline's Adelaide Avalanche throwback uniform. <laughs> um, yeah, that yeah. was that was fun. Uh, <laughs> that was the idea. best job I could do with that. By the way, it, it, it was really tough to do yeah. that one um after the ronald mcdonald disaster at the start of the year um and then that yellow and red jersey does anyone remember that the one that never got used yeah um um and uh the the thunder pink jersey came up pretty well that was that was fun to make and then the um the north stars black jersey actually looked really cool so i i'm looking forward to them actually using that um, in, a, yeah. in a game It looked really cool um, On simulation uh, I didn't like that there were no major penalties On the entire season no. That that kind of sucked I really wanted to see a major penalty Like someone just drill a guy into the boards And get a major penalty Because it's just not reflective of the AHL Not if at all someone doesn't get a major penalty um, So <laughs> there, there needed to be one at least Every round of fixtures There need to be one Like once a week Yeah There um, needs to be a yeah. talking point yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. Um, and, yeah, to wrap a bow around it, the future of the simulation, um, I am going to do it every year, but not in the way it's been done this year. Like what, um, just like simulated, so not, I will, not filmed, the finals? Would, yes, yes. So, I would just simulate the results of all the games from the season. So, I will just do four-game series between each set of teams and, um, and then write down the results. And so I'll try, I'll still record who scored and all that sort of thing, but without having to, you know, record an hour's worth of footage and edit it and do all that sort of stuff and put it up. It was incredibly time consuming. i honestly, since it, since the finals went up on Sunday, I have no idea what to do with my nights now because that was every night (laughs) from April I was doing this simulation. So um, most, you know, some days, most days, and every night I was doing something for this. So yeah, um, yeah, so I'll probably just do that and then just do the finals. Yep. Just do the three finals. I'll, I'll do a simulation of them, whether I post the full games or just the highlights, and we'll do it before the start of the season. I won't do it during the season. I'll do it at the start of the season, much like the EA Sports simulation of the NHL season goes and the NBA with 2K and, the, um, and the, when Madden do their simulation and FIFA do their simulations on each league and whatever um very similar to that i'll just try and do that just for a bit of fun i want to keep it going in some capacity um but yeah obviously a hundred odd games a year (laughs) is fairly uh time consuming and um yeah it was fun but you know when we have actual hockey to talk about it's probably not not a wise use of my time (laughs) yeah yeah nice one was good (laughs) yeah all right uh anything else that you'd like to add before we um before we jump into the interview no,
1: I'm good. I think. Uh, cool. I think I need to let my girlfriend into the bedroom here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you do that, and uh, I'll intro this interview, and we'll catch up with you in about ten days' time when we record our next episode. So, uh, yeah, thanks to thanks to Luke for jumping on as always. Um, yeah, interview this week uh, as always. Well, there's no segment this week. So this week, the interview is brought to you by CD Dodd Scrap Metal Recyclers, saving the scraps of our 2020 AHL season. They are the reason that we sound so crisp with that nice brand new microphone set up um, in front of us. And they're also Luke the reason I. for Friday Night
1: Hockey, which is posted on... Yes, they ...for the, for the they are, Premier League mm-hmm. in Western Australia.
0: Yes, they are. Very, very true. The the reason that we do have some live hockey on our screens and through the podcast feed uh, on Friday nights. And I hope everyone who catches that is enjoying it. Uh, yeah, so if you have any scrap metal recycling needs, head to recyclers.com.au to find out everything about CD. who CD. are and what they do. Because CD. scrap metal recyclers are saving the scraps of our 2020 ahl season a man who works for cd dodd scrap metal recyclers actually um still still works there at the moment ben bro is the man who i caught up with um this week um he was, he was good enough to jump on last last minute because, uh, Luke, you, you oversold on your post that we wouldn't be doing a podcast that, that would be interview of the year. Um, Ben's interview is fantastic oh, yeah. and please hang around for it, but there is something else special that we've got lined up, so um, that should be happening for the next show, so please keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, Ben Bro was, was great. Um, obviously, we've known him for a few years. Uh, he's been floating around the league since 2016, was named Thunderhead coach earlier this year. Um, and was really excited and looking forward to coaching. You'll, you'll hear at late in the interview when I get talking to him about coaching, uh, about how passionate he is, how clearly passionate he is about it. Because I was sort of looking at the time thinking we'd wind down the interview and that would sort of be that and uh yeah and then we just got talking for another nearly 10 minutes about coaching and coaching philosophy and and all that sort of thing and and how he's going to run because he got to run uh as he touches on one practice with the thunder before uh covid shut down the season so so he's chomping at the bit to get going he has some great stories from when he was in junior including a story um about which will which will lead you to something that you have to watch afterwards Um, yeah which which is which is a lot of fun stories about that, about his time in Europe. He uh, opens up about that, about it, pretty blunt about his time in Europe. I'm going to have to get him on again uh, because I sent around the, the message, as you do, Luke, to a few people to try and dig up some stories on someone before you get them on the interview. And everyone was sort of, oh, no, I can't really think of too much you know, that, that we can share and whatever um, about Ben Bro. And then uh, one of his former teammates, uh, Jessica Bernard, just came up with Uh, five absolute banger stories. Problem was, he sent it after I'd finished the interview. So so I'm going to have to get him on again um, because he has some great ones in here, Ben, but he's got so much to tell. He's had such a varied hockey life and uh, I'm really glad we're able to finally, finally get him on the show. Uh, So ladies and gentlemen and Fifth Lines listeners, thanks for joining us. And here is Ben Bro. Pleasure to be joined on the podcast this week by, well... Perth Thunder's all-time leading scorer now uh, and well I won't say former player you, you're still going to play at some point hopefully but uh, current Perth Thunder head coach Ben Bro joins us down the line. Ben how you doing?
2: Yeah good thanks for having me Jordan.
0: That's all right no problem uh, good to have you on the show after all this time it's been a few years and you've been sitting yeah. right there in front of us and I thought you know what we'll, we'll get you on uh, while the league's uh, been in lockdown. Most important thing first off the bat uh, <laughs> Losing coach in the AIHL twenty simulation in overtime. How how did that feel? Finding that out during the week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I haven't really been uh, following it too too much, but uh, when, as soon as I saw that uh, Canberra had had taken it, I was like, yep, that game is rigged." <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny. I don't think I could have scripted it any 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 better. To be honest, the whole team goes ahead late. And then levels it up even later, and and then it's forced to overtime. It was pretty, pretty sick way to end it, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: it was good of of you, and I don't know if Luke was part of it as well, but it was it was good to have you guys uh, do that during the uh, these times. So,
0: it was good fun, man. I, yeah, we, um, yeah, I really, I really quite enjoyed. Luke did little bits and pieces, but yeah, it was. Um, while I, while I was stuck at home a little bit and um, yeah, I was, I was able to do a lot of games during the day during that really uh, hard part of the lockdown that we had over here. But now everything's all good and we're back to playing. And
2: Yeah, it would have been pretty time consuming, wouldn't it?
0: it well, yeah, well, a uh, hundred, just over a hundred games, I think yeah. it was like 116 games and they're each about 45 yeah. minutes and... Then doing all the stats so yeah it took a bit of time but you know yeah. it was time time well spent i think yeah. i didn't have much else to do so <laughs> um speaking of playing you're you're back playing now flies blue in ihwa um premier league How, how's yep. that going for you coming back to to play some local hockey
2: yeah good look i, w- I would have never thought that i'd be playing in a in a, a local league uh in well in perth or australia but uh no it's uh i mean given our circumstances it's pretty exceptional that Um, We have a chance to get back on the ice and see some of the boys from Thunder and and you know all the other ones but uh, uh, You know, we just kind of decided to put a team together with uh, Some current Thunder but also to take out a retirement some some guys from the you know the first few years and uh, obviously Richie Lamb and um, uh, then uh, uh, Rick Del Basso joined in for a game. So he comes in every once in a while and, uh, yeah, Liam Jeffries, also known as Fudgy. So, oh, Sam Wilson as well. Um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. We've got a good group of guys. And, you know, for us, it's just a matter of, you know, we don't practice like all the other teams. We just decided now we rock up on Fridays. We play our game. Uh, we have a few bevvies. And then, you know, we just start enjoy our time together. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's actually pretty competitive. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, well that uh that training method seems to be working for you decent decent start to the year. So why, why not stick with it? If it works with it, why not keep it going? Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. No, and it's good also that uh, you know, we got um CD Dodd DOD and front row screens to uh live stream the games and uh well I mean obviously for Thunder fans it's an ex- it's it's a really good thing, but I think uh just for Australia it's nice to at least see some kind of hockey and uh yeah, so good on them for uh you know, doing all that. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It's, it's good to have that up there for sure. It's, um, yeah, it's been on our feed as well. Cause Luke's been commentating some games. I've been away for a little bit. I might do a couple of games later in the year. I've got some schedule clashes there, but, um, but, i know my
2: father-in-law would uh, would love to hear your voice he, he loves your voice on the <laughs> on the play-by-play well,
0: that's, that's good to know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you've got to but I'll, look i'm looking forward to getting back next year like i'm i'm itching i'm itching for it man i i was really pumped we had so much momentum going into into this year and then yeah, yeah. obviously the pandemic hit and it's kind of cut us short so 2021 bring it on bring it yeah. on hey um Pembroke Ontario is is where you were born and uh, I'm guessing where you where you grew up tell us tell us about Pembroke little little town about an hour and a half out of Ottawa uh, you know what I actually know
2: nothing about it um, my <laughs> da- <laughs> um, no my dad was in the military and um, I was born uh, there but then he got posted uh, eight months after I was born to Germany so I actually moved to Germany for about four years where it, you know, it pretty much all started for me for hockey. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know much about Pembroke, unfortunately, but, uh, I started my hockey in Germany for, um, when I was three and four and then we moved to Montreal, which is where I actually, you know, grew up where that's where I kind of, that's what I call home.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, uh, so I did, I did look at Pembroke and I thought, Oh, you got drafted to the Q. So that seems a little bit, yeah, uh, a yeah. little bit odd that you ended up in the, in the QMJHL, but that, that explains it. Um, yeah. So yeah, fell in love in in, um, in Germany as you said, and then yeah, head head to the well QM in AAA first, and then you head to the QMJHL after that. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your first few years of experience there, because I'll, I'll get to your last year in the QMJHL a little bit later. Yeah, no.
2: Um, I was I was I had a really good mid um, Triple A season. I was ranked pretty high. I think um, I would have been ranked. First overall when the last uh, scouting reports uh, came out and then I ended up uh, going out fourth because pretty much the first team wanted a forward which is where I was ranked for but uh, they went with another guy and then the second and third wanted a a defenseman so they weren't gonna pick me but yeah so I went fourth and I got drafted in Beckham which is where the draft was being held so um, you can just imagine the the atmosphere for a really small city just the hype that was around their first overall pick and pretty high ranked as well for fourth so um it was a pretty cool experience to to live it in that city and um yeah that's where i spent the next um four seasons of my my five uh, junior careers, uh, season yeah
0: tell us about um, yeah playing playing in the queue. Obviously, we've we've had guys come through the Thunder who are who are from the queue who are from um, who've played in the and who've played in the WHL. Obviously, fairly contrasting because cities are close together. Tell us about playing for for Baker, and I can imagine um, getting drafted. Yeah, by by the by the hometown when you're 16 years old. What like how? What were your thoughts on that experience at the time?
2: Um, I, well, I was really excited. I was really young, and uh, I've always been since. Probably the age of Bantam you know always had hopes of, of perhaps making it one day or at least getting drafted or whatnot and uh, you know Baycomo is a really small town um, and uh, yeah when when you know you rock up in the city as a 16 year old first round ra- uh, you know first first uh, round pick and um, everybody already knows your name and stuff like that so it was, it was pretty cool um, Unfortunately the first, my first two seasons, we weren't really good, um, but, but I mean, you know, that was some of the years where you had guys like Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang and Brad Marchand in the, in the league and mm-hmm. um, some other older guys. Uh, but um, no, it was good. It was it was a really good experience. It was seven hours away from home, so I was in a billet. So that was my first experience um, in a billet, not necessarily away from home, but to live with another family and stuff. So, and I had. Uh, an amazing, an amazing time with my billet. They were really good to me. We still talk to the like uh, these days, so it's uh, we catch up every now and again. But um, yeah, it was a really cool experience
0: for sure. And then you then you move in your last season of junior to to the Quebec Ramparts and very famous head coach. Um, yep. You've probably been asked about this in numerous times uh, when you when you've been in Australia. But I'm gonna gonna ask you again about it. I've just read down, and anyone who is uh, listening to the podcast. Um, I urge you to go to Patrick Wise Wikipedia page around this time that you went to the Quebec ramparts and see the things that were happening and, and the sort of firebrand that he was, what was your experience with him as a coach? Because some of the incidents are just mind blowing before you got there.
2: Yeah. Well, there was one really big incident the year before I got traded there, but, um, uh, which was the one where his son ended up in a fight. Um, with another goalie, but, um, it, it was a great, I had a great experience with him. I know a lot of players have had some really bad experiences, but others have had a really good experience with him. And, and for me, I think I fall, I kind of fall right in the middle, uh, where sometimes it was pretty bad, but you know, most of the time it was really good with him. Um, one of the things about him is, you know, if you've seen him as a player or as a goalie back when he was playing, um, he was a really intense guy. Really wanted to win, would do anything to win. Um, as a coach, exactly the same thing. And he'll be honest with you. Like, you know, if, if, if I had a, a bad shift, he'd let me know. If I had a good shift, he'd let me know. So he was pretty honest with that and very transparent. But, um, yeah, no, it was really intimidating. The very first <laughs> phone call I got, man, like, I, here I am at my dad's house in the summer uh, just chilling by the pool and I know that I asked like I've asked Beckham to trade me um, and the idea was to uh, Get me closer to home for my very last season. So my, my my dad my you know all my family could come to as many games as possible being my my fifth and last year. So um, Yeah, and then next thing you know, I'm just sitting next to the pool just you know having a cold water and uh, Get a phone call from mr. Patrick Watt and I was like Hey, sir. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say,
0: how do you address Patrick Wah, an uh, NHL legend, when he yeah, told you?
2: no, and I mean, I grew up a, a Montreal Canadiens fan, um, and I mean, he's a dead set legend. Um, so a bit intimidated, mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was pretty cool. Like he helped a lot for like just to break the ice and just throw a joke here and here and again, and and just yeah. So. Um, yeah, he quickly asked me to just call him Pat. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right.
0: <laughs> oh, we got that got that rapport straight away. Yeah, my favorite story about him is still, like the, when you talk about him being a straight shooter and and all that sort of thing, it, when, he get, when he got, and this is probably a painful memory being a Canadiens fan, but he gets left in for nine goals in yeah, 1995 the, uh, and just goes to the bench and immediately says, I'm not playing for the Montreal Canadiens ever again. And I mean, he won what uh, 3 2 cups with the with the canadians before he went to the avalanche so was it 2 or 3 yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so yeah, i mean he'd, yeah he'd, uh, he'd certainly certainly done some good work for them so i guess you know not the nicest way to leave but did plenty of good work before that um when you were in junior um, someone someone's told me this story's been uh, forwarded on to me about a documentary that you were in in junior now that's all that they've said yeah. can you elaborate on this on this documentary that you were a part of
2: yeah 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 Shit, I'm telling you, that will never go away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so my, my second year in juniors, which was my NHL entry draft year, where I, where I was eligible for the very first time, um, we had the um, uh, NFB, so National Film Board of Canada. Um, two people, a couple that you know, were looking for uh, kind of a, they wanted to make a documentary on a junior team. And so they went around several teams, and some said yes, some said no, and then they ended up picking Bicamo, and Bicamo said said yes to all the all of it. So pretty much, she just spent the whole season filming the team, Um, doing I'm telling you everything like road trips. Uh, They even came out to. Uh, one of the pubs one night, we're just going to have a quiet one. Like, and they just set up the cameras and they, they were just looking to have as much footage as possible. Yeah. So they were everywhere. Like they literally filmed me in my Billets uh, jacuzzi where I would just go there, I don't know, every two or three days. I, you know, just go in and just relax and whatever. And they actually filmed me for a full hour. Kid you not. I was like, it was silent. <laughs> like, <laughs> So a bit awkward. But yeah, so they, yeah. they just followed it. Uh, and then. By the end of it, they, when when they decided what kind of story they wanted to put together, then it turned out that I was in it for uh, well, most of it. <laughs> you so, say, so
0: you you ended up being the focus of the of the documentary.
2: Yeah, so they followed me in the in the movie. You see a, a few different stories as well, like um, okay. um, obviously they followed me through my draft year and until I get drafted finally. Um, <laughs> but um, they also like. It was a really shit year for our team, and a lot of a lot of stuff that happened that year you'd never see it happen again. So, like one of them is, um, uh, it's our team picture day, and we've just lost seven or eight in a row, and you know now it's time to put a fake smile on. But um, there's this one guy that they want to get rid of. They don't feel like he belongs on the team, so they don't want his face in the team picture. Oh. So- so, in the movie, you see the managers of the team, the head coach, the assistant coach, uh, Eric Messier, who played for the Avs and also with Patrick Waugh. Um, and, yeah, so they're just having this full-on conference and uh, with the owners of the team. And by the end of it, they decide, you know what? Nah, he's out. So, the in the movie, you don't really see it, but like this whole conversation is happening while we're just sitting in the room waiting for you know the coach to say, Hey, let's go on the ice for the picture. This is about 30 to 40 minutes that we're just sitting in the locker room quiet. And then after that, you know, you can only imagine sitting in the locker room, not too many words are exchanged at this point because we're all in a pretty bad mood. But all of a sudden the door opens, the coach walks in, and that's what you see in the movie. He walks in, he goes, Everybody, team picture, but you. You're going home.
0: <laughs> Brutal.
2: <That's>
0: a, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, that that's a, that's a one way to find out that you're, that you're getting shifted on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to, going to have to troll the internet for this, for this movie on the Bakamo dracar Yeah. And- I think
2: if you just put uh, NF, NFB and Space uh, Junior. Uh, it should come up on the NFB website and the movie is right. literally just called junior.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. All right. Get your we'll popcorn keep- ready. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Get the popcorn, Get popcorn ready.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds good. It might be, might be, um, you know what? I've got plenty of, plenty of spare time with no live hockey at the moment. <laughs> got a couple of weeks to fill before that comes back. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that might, uh, that might be, uh, appointment viewing, I think, um, Yeah, so junior career is is done in Quebec and then you you flirt with the ECHL for a bit and move back to U Sports after that. Uh, Plenty of good AIHL players have come from U Sports. What was your thought process behind going into that?
2: Uh, Well, pretty much, yeah, you said it. I went to the East Coast for a bit and I wasn't really happy because I wasn't playing much and um, I had been uh, the last one cut Last one cut from the American Hockey League team that I went to for training camp. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. I'm going to end up in the East Coast and I'm, you know, I'm going to get a, some decent ice time or whatever. But um, it, at that level, and, and a lot of guys that have played at that level, if there's any listening, they, they could probably uh, relate to that. Um, it becomes very political. And it becomes all about the, you know, the contract that you've signed. If it's a one-way American Hockey League and then you're down to the coast, you'll, have, you'll go in front of that one-way East Coast guy, which is what I was. Um, so anyways, uh, I wasn't really happy. I got a phone call from uh, both uh, Dalhousie University and St. Mary's University in Halifax. And they both offered me a full-ride uh, scholarship to go, to go study for them. And, well, to go study there and, study and play for them um so yeah i just i thought that'd be probably the smartest idea after you know obviously deciding to go to the queue which puts an x on any kind of possibility to play ncaa <laughs> so i had decided not to go into double and decided to go to queue so i thought well here i am you know i've got a second chance to go to school on a full ride so yeah i thought it'd be a good idea and I, that's what i did for three and a half years and um, yeah, so it was, it was, we had, we had a shit team, but you know, it was all right.
0: So is that when you say the, the mark that's against you, if you play in the queue for going into NCAA, is that purely because of, um, the Quebecois love of, of violence in hockey? Is that, is nah, that purely what that's all about? So, or? So,
2: so pretty much when I was mid to AAA, just to track, to backtrack. Away, yeah. Go all the way back. When yeah. I
0: was mid to AAA,
2: um, and you're, you're a high ranked, uh, draft prospect um, a, a lot of universities go up to the players and they just ask you to go and join the NCAA team or, or in school. So I had, um, Yale, I had Harvard possibilities. I, uh, Clarkson was another one, like some really good schools. Yeah. Um, they all want you to go to their school and then play for their team. Um, so, but I decided to go in the queue and that's what happens with a lot of kids that are fif- like 15, 16 year old. Um, you've got a choice to make. You go to the queue or you go to play university in in the States. And the thing is, it's only it's pretty much only a one-way street where if you decide to go to the queue and you attend training camp for I forget how many days, that's it. You've committed to playing in the queue and you cannot go to NCAA. Um, but you can go to NCAA for a season or two and go to the queue whenever whenever you want. So, you know, that's kind of one of the things. But, yeah, so I, I decided to to go to uni and... Uh, get a partial degree because I didn't finish it. I just decided to go to Europe after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so while we, and I'll just do one more bit of backtracking. You get yep. drafted by the Sabers. Uh, you you yep. sort of mentioned when you were telling um, the the year your your documentary was on you about you you mentioned finally when I finally got drafted. What was mm. that? Because um, you went what 207th overall, something like that. Yep. What was what was that feeling? What was that feeling like? As I can imagine that it's sort of. Um, is there a bittersweet that like, Oh, I wanted to go higher or is it just, all right, now I'm drafted. It's, it's my time to to shine.
2: Uh, the latter. I was just happy to be drafted. Um, it's, it's a really long day. And and the thing is, um, you know, I was ranked cause I played in the, um, CHL top prospects game and that is normally whoever is ranked in the top three, uh, rounds. Um, but obviously not including Europeans. Mm hmm. um, So, you know, and I've got the agent telling me like, oh, you're, yeah, you're going to go in the third round or whatever.
0: Um, But
2: as we all know now, it didn't happen. But the thing that that was that made it long is that I'm told third round, and then you know, there's, I don't know, North Carolina is about to pick, and the agent just kind of just kind of nudges me and goes, hey, this is it, and then they select and. John Doe from wherever (laughs) yeah and I was like oh fuck so uh but yeah it was a long day um but you know at the end of the day I was just really happy and it was good I mean I got you know out of it I got two training camps and I you know I was followed by the the Sabres development squad and, and all that so it was it was a pretty unique experience and I had the chance to go directly to main camp because I don't know how they do it now but um Buffalo didn't have any um Rookie camp, yeah, okay. So, uh, and a lot of teams had it back then, but mm. um, I just went right to main camp with you know, fucking Chris Drury, uh, uh Daniel briere Jason Baumanville, Maxipin again, like huh. Ryan Miller, like it was, it was insane. And we're all split into two or three teams or whatever it was, and yeah, mm. so it was pretty cool.
0: Murderers, murderers, row of Olympians there. That's yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah, good experience. Yeah, but
2: yeah, but all in all, it was it, it, it was like finally, but at the end of the day.
0: I got drafted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And it's you know more than most people can say. It's awesome. Yeah. Good yeah. job. Hey, uh, yeah, you mentioned moving to Europe. So a um, couple mm-hmm. of years in France, and then a bit of a short move to Poland. Um, tell us about those first couple of years in France, and I want to touch on the the Lyon experience um, after that. So first two years in France, and then you moved moved to Poland. Um, How did you find European hockey as a diff- as as it was differing to North American hockey?
2: Uh, well, first of all, it's 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 the ice surface. It's so much bigger. So they play on a 60 by 40 meters. Um, so it's olympic size uh, rinks. It's a lot faster, not as much hitting. Um, but, you know, I left school because I had a buddy of mine that just said, hey, uh, my team's looking for a player, and I know that you've always told me you're interested in going to Europe, so whatever. And I, I just kind of went, yeah, let's go. So I played in uh, – Epinal the first year, um, really small city, but amazing fans. And I mean nuts. If so you go on YouTube and you, you, you look up uh, Ipinal, uh fan club or something, there's going to be a video that pops up of the atmosphere that is at the rink. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, had a good season, so I knew I could sign again in that same league, but I wanted to go elsewhere. So I ended up going to Brest in the northwest of France. where I had another pretty good season, um, and then after that one, well, I was single at that point, um, recently divorced, and I was just like, "Yep, yeah, I want something different, something, um, something really different." So I ended up getting in touch with my agent, anyways, and he got me this contract. Which you're probably on my elite prospects page. Right I am. Now.
0: Yeah, I can. I can um, see it.
2: So it doesn't mention in in the regular season stats cuz I only played in the Belarus Cup. But I ended up going um so lower down on your page there's a Belarus Cup thing and I played two games with them. I ended up going to Belarus. And okay. that was that was just unbelievable. I mean, I ended up in a country that I did not know the language whatsoever. Um I'm on my own. Um and yeah, so I spent 6 weeks there after France and uh I got fired because <laughs> the coach, the coach was at, uh, I think it was Czech, and he wanted. He ended up signing one of his old teammates, and so to make some room for him, he just gave me the boot. <laughs> yeah,
0: because I can see on this uh, Belarus Cup line that you've got here. Uh, yeah, two two games played, two points, two penalty yes. minutes, and and that's that sort of it. So you were just the unlucky guy who had to make way for for the yeah, coach's
2: mate. I mean, I was I, I had a really good uh preparation for it and I was you know, back home when we train we train a lot differently than the Russians. Um, they seem to focus a lot more on long distance running and whatever. I'm I'm not a runner and I I'm used to doing interval training, so I'll go on like hard for thirty, forty seconds and then I'll which is representative of a hockey ship. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Um but yeah, I rocked up in in uh, Grodno, Belarus, and um, <laughs> I did not know what to expect. But I'll tell you what, first day we trained. It was off ice for three weeks in a row, no on ice because the their arena was getting some uh, some stuff done to it because it had to be. Uh, it had to be uh, what they were in the Champions Hockey League, so it had to be to have the regu- uh, regulated for the Champions Hockey League, and it was long story short, first three weeks, um, off ice training only and first day, gotta go for an 8K run in the in the like cross country like in the woods or in, the, in a park somewhere I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I finished last, Oh, and uh, you can only imagine like. This Belarusian team just signed this Canadian player. They're, they're, yeah, they all have these big expectations. And here I am just finishing last in a run. But it gets better. Um, there was a time where, I, you know, because I would translate some of the words on our schedule to see what we're actually up to. Like, is it off ice? Is it on ice? Or It was never really on ice. But And then at one point I see, oh, shit. Um, we're going to the pool. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Quiet day. Nah, it's not. You rock up to the pool, and uh, they ask you to go for a one k swim in the Olympic sized pool.
0: Um, Twenty laps. It's not. So I'm, bad. not a,
2: I'm not. I'm not a runner, <laughs> but I am not a swimmer.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a brutal one. Like I I do swimming instruction for a living, and I still we we have to do the four hundred meters thing to um, do. Uh, what they call our in-service before we start any series and I struggle with that so one kilometer yeah. of it yeah well it's brutal.
2: I might I might need some lessons Jordan I'll tell you <laughs> that because uh, I'm, I'm the one you'll see in the pool like swimming
0: like a little dog <laughs> <laughs> just getting those little arms just just that little bit out in front need that full extension see yeah see I'll, I'll give you swimming lessons you give me skating lessons I think that's, oh, a, no, deal. that's uh-huh. a deal yeah. But yeah, all
2: that to say that the impressions were not great off the ice. And then I it, I think I was just in the bad books from then on. And I, I, I oh, so, anyways, so, but yeah, that was that. And then I went to Poland. Uh, Poland was a bit different, a bit of a morbid place to be. But um, yeah, people were miserable. It's, they're, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it was a poor city. I, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I'll never say anything good about that place. I mean, and I mean, Sanuk, Poland. I know that Krakow, uh, Cracovia and uh, and Warsaw are, are nice places, but where I was one was an absolute shithole,
0: not ideal. So you go to Lyon yes. in France, and now the the you eleven regular season games, and mm-hmm. then um, so obviously it's it's a bit of a unique thing with um, with European hockey is the relegation round. So obviously, like we yeah. you know, most most other places, you finish towards the bottom, your season peter's out, you know, yes. and that's sort of it. But you you play ten games in a relegation battle for Lyon. How is that? How does that compare to the playoff hockey you've played? It's it's the same.
2: It's you're you're there for survival. So whether it's for to win the cup or just to keep the the team in that elite league, um, it's just the exact same. The the atmosphere is the same, and um, it's just that you're you're not playing for that big trophy at the end. It's just that you know, which is kind of strange because you know if. Um, I mean I did pretty good in the relegation round mm-hmm. um, but like here I am like I'm actually playing to to fight for that team to stay in a league that I'm like I knew I wasn't going back to that team the year after mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of weird you know yeah, it okay. is, yeah so you're fighting for the club but not i mean yeah in playoffs as well but at least you kind of get like if you win the trophy at the end you kind of get a little bit of prestige but um i knew that i was leaving so i was just like oh screw this but yeah it ended up going well but yeah
0: never went back and then that's when you when you arrive here in, in australia what was what was the allure of perth what was what brought you to perth what was um
2: the... well to be honest um I was playing in Lyon with the, the now head coach of the Melbourne Mustangs, uh, Max Perron, and he's the one that told me to try to go play in Australia during the off season because he's, again, I was single and I was just ready to move wherever. And so he said, oh, I signed with, uh, with a team in Melbourne, Australia. Um, maybe you should try to, to, to get there and, and just enjoy, your, enjoy something different. Again, and I was like, yeah, sure. So what, you know, I just ended up, to be honest, I, I emailed probably every single team in the league, mm-hmm. Um, including a couple in New Zealand, actually. Um, Yeah, and then, uh who was it with? Uh, Newcastle. I spoke to Gary Dory, and he had told me that they had all their imports already. Um,
1: and
2: I almost signed with one of the Sydney teams, but I forget which one it was and then but the one that i got in touch with directly and that was interested right away was was just stan mm-hmm. so and then we had a we had just you know because the way we normally do it now that i know about it just have a skype conversation get to meet each other and then if he gets a good vibe then you know we just, things just, just move along but yeah so that's pretty much how it happened i was ready to go just wherever to be honest with you mm-hmm.
0: so you, en- you end up here um so we know why you came here why why'd you stay what what is it that that made you that made you stay in perth because it's well, seasons saying, now it would have been I, your fifth I, this year
2: i already said once i was divorced before and then i was single well i'm happy to say that now i found love in perth so there you go <laughs> all right so there's a happy ending uh, but yeah no um, i came the first year with absolutely zero expectations but just to come here explore a different country that was co- like obviously completely different um in a lot of ways, but yet still similar. But, yeah, so I just wanted to explore something different. And, you know, by the end of it, uh, I met Whitney. And, um, yeah, just, things just kicked off, really. Never wanted to go back again, except I did. I, I went yeah, for a did short, for a brief moment. Yeah, <laughs> I went for a short stint in the LNAH. But um, I was I was not enjoying myself there. So I decided to get in touch with Stan again and to ensure that I had a job if I came back. And, and uh, Chris Dodd from... Uh, City Dodd was willing
0: to take me back and uh, we just
2: yeah we just went that way
0: and the, and the rest is history as they say and now all-time go. leading scorer and and hopefully soon to be head coach in the next year or so um over the last four years as if
2: I don't get fired before the end the, the start of the next season that'd be crazy.
0: Pretty- <laughs> <laughs> zero games experience on the card you, your Perth sharks better do okay because you know that's that's all you've got uh, got riding on you as far as experience goes if yeah. the shark- if the sharks go uh, into the tank, mate, you you could be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, with,
2: <laughs> yeah. Which I must say, I do really enjoy coaching this group of kids right now. It's been really awesome for the last year and a half. So
0: yeah, um, yeah. Before we get into um, the imports that you've played with and me quizzing you about them a little bit, um, oh, oh, God. started the Perth Thunder Ice Hockey Academy. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. with with Andrew Cox. How's how's that been? Because that's this would be what a two and a half years now you've been doing that for.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it it has slowed down drastically in the last few months. Awesome. But, uh, um, yeah, no. Listen, I try to I try to run some camps um, with some of the Thunder players just to you know get some familiar faces around the minor hockey here in Perth. Um, try to run about you know four to six kind of clinics a year just to keep the, the the players moving around and doing something different than just um the regular team practices which are not necessarily um targeted towards their personal skills more more so like especially in, the, in minor hockey so um i just because I've, I've been part of so many hockey schools when i was a kid and i thought that you know um I'm in Perth. There's there's not much on. I know that, that JFK with his um, NSA camps is doing really well in Newcastle and Sydney area, which is really awesome. Um, but yeah, I thought yeah, why not give back to the community um, every now and again and and yeah, just help out a little bit. So yeah, it's it's been going pretty good. I I just I just do it. You know, it's just it, I
0: just enjoy it really. So. Hmm. Um so in your time you've played here, so I'm trying to run run through in my head the, the imports you've played with. So um mm-hmm. we had Jessica Bernard and Michael Dorr in the first year. You were then, then it would be – been and Kirk, yes, in net, yep. Um and then with uh DeSalvo in net with um, Who was that? Who was there in the second year? So these this is the year's <laughs>
1: Um
0: was it Grand Mason the following year? No. Nope. Um no he was the year after that with um with Zlansky. Um, yep. yeah, so uh, Jessica and, came and, back. So Jessica came back, and oh, Christian Hullet was the other That's one. That's right, yes, yeah. yes. So, three French Canadians in that second yep. year. That's where I wanted to get to. Uh, um, okay. yeah, how how was that experience for you playing with a couple of French Canadian and you had that top line, uh, was your best season in, in the league that year. What was that? What was that season? Like two French Canadian guys playing on a line with you. Was there just instant chemistry chemistry there? How'd that go? How'd that come? Yeah. On?
2: Well, yeah, I think it was, it was, we had a really good balance. Um, you had the big body with, with Jessica that, um, a big presence on the power play on the point. um, and then Christian with, with with a really good shot and and you know I was able to find Chris quite a bit and 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 Jessica on the power play and stuff so we kind of complemented each other really well um, and I mean above all we 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 got on off the ice just so well and um, some two really good guys that you know we still talk to each other now and um, bo- both of them just want to come back. (laughs) It's like, just find a way. (laughs) I think, uh, I think the fans would would take
0: them back in a heartbeat too. That's yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was really cool. No, I had a really good season with those guys and, and, and with Pete and stuff. So
0: yeah, it was good. And then your most recent season, again, it was three French Canadians um, up on, well, you you were split between two lines. Uh, a yeah. bit of a different experience with with uh, the two French Canadians that came across last year, um, but obviously it got the best out of the team. What was um, what was that experience with those guys like in two thousand nineteen with with Kevin Vayu and and Luik It
2: was very different. Mm-hmm. It was very different. Um, really enjoyed my time uh, with Luik. We we meshed well together. Uh, but yeah, in terms of in terms of playing, I thought that. Perhaps it would give us, because I, I had had a chat, a few chats with Rocky about it, a bit, about splitting us and stuff, and um, and uh, yeah, um, I thought it would give us more depth, to be honest with you. And um, knowing that I was going to stay here for good, I thought, well, you know, if I, because hopefully one day I'm a local as well, but um, yeah, I just thought it would give us more depth. I didn't really care about. About scoring or whatever, I just I just thought if I can if I can help because the biggest issue I think when you look at the seasons that we had previously was we did not have secondary scoring happening. And I think that's what perhaps killed us when we got to the semifinals before. So um, whether or not that's one of the reasons why we ended up for the first time in the final game, wh- who knows? But still, we we got there and and uh, we were so close and yeah, it was it was a good season. We got like. It was nice to be part of that final game, for
0: sure, for sure, for sure. So, do you take credit for Kieran Webster's scoring explosion last year? Is that is that all on you because you volunteered to drop to the second line? <laughs> I wish
2: no. He had a really good season, mm. and and I mean, you, I can think of a few goals that he would score where uh, none of of you know Lewick or Kevin would have touched a puck before he scored. So it wasn't because he got set up or anything. Um, I think he had a really good breakout season and. And uh, it was really nice to see a local doing so well, and and not having to rely necessarily on an import to make him look good. He he had a really stellar season. So,
0: yeah, he was he was awesome watching that, and being the first local to win MVP for the Thunder as well was pretty was a pretty cool little experience yeah, for him. Yeah, that was yeah that was that was a fun night. Um, so I've seen you in training. Um, I you know I'd peek my eyes through the glass every now and then when I get up there. Um, when you've when you've been a player. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd say your, your style is demanding, I guess, of, of other players. What are you going to be like as a coach? What do, you, what do you feel like you're going to be like when you're out on the ice and you're holding the whistle rather than, um, rather than taking part in the drills? Is, is it going to be the same, just that, you know, demanding but respectful? Or what's, the, what's Ben Bro the coach, going to be like?
2: Yeah, well, look, I, there, there's one thing that, um, well, I mean, I only ran one practice with Thunder before this whole thing <laughs> yeah. happened. But um one of the things that I had mentioned at practice is is that I know that I'm young, I know that I'm one of the boys, um, but there needs when when the way I said it is off the ice, no worries, um, you know, we'll go for beers, but you know, after the game, we we'll, we'll, whatever, that's fine. Uh, we can hang out. Um but when we get to the rink and it's time to work i put the effort into putting a practice plan together in order to have it and i don't like i don't really worry about who they are off the ice um i'm just like yeah I, just like when i go with the sharks it's it's i'm coming in and it's it's 100 i'm given everything i got whether it's for for the planning and the delivery of it when while we're on the ice and what I asked them is, when you put those skates on and that helmet and those gloves on and your equipment, um, you're coming here to work. Um, and you're also coming here to learn. So um, it's always been a bit more difficult as a player to kind of step in and practice and say something. Because whether it was Dave Kenway or Dave Ruck before, um, each coach has their own kind of philosophies and their way of, of doing things. Um, but now that I've got the opportunity to do that, well, that's kind of what I wanna you know just to uh teach them, teach them. And one of the things that I that I want to instill is 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 a sense of um a culture. And and I want everybody as well to be held accountable. So whether it's me as a coach or them as a player, um everybody wants to get better and they need to get better. So, whatever it takes whether it's for me to draw a certain drill or for them to work harder and to want the guy's spot in front of them or whatever it is, um yeah, I can be a, a, quite demanding as a coach and I see it with the sharks sometimes, but um I mean, if you you got to be pushed to get better. So,
1: cool.
0: well, that's good yeah. to hear as a, as a Thunder Thunder fan first and yeah. foremost. It's 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 nice to hear that uh before we before we let you go, because it's been about forty minutes already. Uh, any mm. um, any stories from the road in the AHL? Is there anything that um, I know? Obviously, when you came here, you're sort of in your mid to late twenties, so maybe the craziness mm. is behind you a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yes. but any uh, any stories from uh, from weekends on the road or All Star Game festivities or anything like that that um, that you that you can share with us? That you know? <laughs> well, that's we've got said the explicit tag, so you can you know <laughs> that, that I can share. can share. Yeah, that you can share. Yeah, yeah. No no no.
2: There I mean I I really enjoy going on the road with the boys. It's it's a time where, you know, we just get to hang out together for two or sometimes 3 days depending on where we go and um Yeah, no, it's there, there's no specific stories cuz <laughs> Anyways. Um <laughs> but no, we, you know, we we enjoy ourselves and I think that that's as much as um it's 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 important to win and to 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 get better and stuff you know when we're on the road we like to enjoy ourselves and and discover new places whether it's uh, um you know my first year in canberra we'd just go and visit everything around which took us about an hour but you know just to go and visit as tourists and stuff like that especially as an import Mm -hmm. um but yeah no normally it's uh yeah, it's pretty tame. I don't have, I don't really have a story in particular
0: that I can, I can actually share on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that one under wraps. We might have to, might have to, uh, to hit you up after a game one night or something at, at the Thunder <laughs> and, and, and get that one off the record. Um, yeah. So, who do you, who do you like to room with on the road? Who's your, who's your favourite rooming? And now that you're a coach, will you be rooming with the players, or do you get to, you know, you be in your own room now? I hope I get my own room. <laughs> Hope Stan is listening.
2: <laughs> nah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm, I'm just one of the boys at the end of the day, whatever it is. I don't care. But, you know, like I said, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to separate myself from the group just because I'm, you know, I've got the, the head coach name next to my name. It's, to me, it just, as long as players and myself understand that, you know, when we go to the rink, um, we're here to work. And if you don't work well now, I've got the power, I guess, to do something about it. And then, you know, but i i mean, you could ask. I, I can't talk for Thunder because I haven't coached a single game yet with them. But you know, with, for, from my experience with the Sharks, I'm—I'm I'm very um, in the game and with the players. So by that sense, I mean, um, if I see something bad happen or someone turns the puck over or whatever. Um, I'll go right away. As soon as they come off the ice, I'll take, I'll take my board and I'll show them what they did wrong and how they can make it better or what other options are open. Uh, but I'll be the first one to give someone a tap on the back when they do something right. And I think that's where the accountability comes in and where you know, the, 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 the players feel valued in what they do, whether it's someone scored a really nice goal. To me, I don't really care. Uh, it's just as important as the guy that's on the pK that blocks a shot that avoided one um and that's kind of the mentality that that i, I think the guy should have so
0: cool all right look yeah. forward to seeing it and yeah hopefully two thousand twenty one we can uh we can get this rolling hey thanks man for for joining us really appreciate it and uh yeah looking forward to to seeing you behind the bench a suit or track suit by the way behind the bench what will you, will you be will you be the suit and tie guy or you're gonna wear your blue trackie? Oh, no trackies. I'm going to go soon. I might as well dress to the nines for this. Why <laughs> the Dora hat? <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. Look forward to that one on the broadcast. Ben Bro, thanks for joining us on the Fifth Line Podcast. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. Cheers.